Welcome to another episode of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out all the stuff we've got going on over at blisterreview.com. Today I'm talking with Stefan Drake, the founder of DPS Skis, mostly because I had a number of questions about some new DPS skis and some updated products, and I really wanted Stefan to set me straight. So this is that conversation, and Stefan and I cover a lot of really interesting ground here, including what products Stefan is testing right now at Mount Hood, the details about DPS Dreamtime, which is also going on right now, the story behind the brand new DPS Whaler 110, a rundown of the fattest powder boards DPS is making, and some very big news about DPS Phantom, which is the ski and snowboard base treatment that DPS introduced this past season. And if you'd like to learn more about Stefan's own background and the history of DPS skis, you should go check out episode number 38 over on the Blister podcast. And if you'd also like to hear the conversation I had with Stefan about the introduction of DPS Phantom, then go check out episode number 59 of the Blister Podcast. This episode of Gear 30 is brought to you by the 750 plus miles of trail in the Gunnison and Crested Butte Trails Network. That's more than 750 miles of the best riding in the United States. And starting on August 17th, Crested Butte is hosting Outer Bike from August 17 to August 19, where you will be able to experience the CB trails and demo bikes from a bunch of the companies that we discussed on the last Gear 30 podcast, which was our Bikes versus Skis podcast. And by the way, all the comments and suggestions rolling in from you guys have been awesome. And next week on Gear 30, we're going to be doing part two of Bikes versus Skis and incorporating a bunch of your comments and questions. So check that out next week. But back to Outer Bike, it starts on August 17th in Crested Butte, and you can learn more about the event at www.outerbike.com slash Crested Butte, and we'll have links to that in the show notes of this episode. So just look down at your phone or up at your computer to learn more about Outer Bike in Crested Butte. And now let's go ahead and get to my conversation with DPS Skis founder, Stefan Drake. Stefan, how are you today? Good, Jonathan. I am doing well. My understanding is you've actually been doing some skiing this week. Yeah, that's right. We've been uh, we've been up at Timberline at Mount Hood testing skis and um, have been going hard the last three days, taking a little break today, waiting for some more skis to come in and then back at it uh, one more day tomorrow before driving home to Salt Lake. Okay. Okay. Well... I'm happy to be talking. Um, There's a number of things kind of going on right now, and it just seems like a a very good time for you to help clarify a few things for us. Um, I think the the first thing is we've got this DPS Dreamtime thing going on. What is this DPS Dreamtime? Yeah, so um, Dreamtime has been running for, I'm going to say, probably six years or so now. And and really, the the concept there is that when we started the company the first five, six years, we were only selling direct um, to pretty coarse gears. And, and uh, yeah, summer, you know, just spiritually for us like if, if you're completely committed to skiing it's 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 something that doesn't turn off in the summer you know you're 
you're always either plotting and scheming to go somewhere with snow, uh, whether it's New Zealand or Argentina or Chile, or you're just, you know, like growing up for me, skiing all through the hot months was something I thought about every day and dream dreamed about. And, um, and so, yeah, so it, it's, it's an interesting like psychic space for, for any super dedicated skier. And, and then just commercially, we linked up, uh, you know, an event, uh, sales event, basically the only time of the year where, where we go off price in the middle of summer. And, um, yeah, it's been a, a great event where we have, you know, runs about two weeks in the middle of summer and, um, yeah, it's a cool time to reconnect with a, a lot of our core customers that have been on the journey with us for, for so many years. And, you know, that's usually when they restock. Uh, their quiver is is during this Dreamtime event and and yeah so so this is going on right now is that right? Uh, correct. Yeah, it is. Uh, we are kind of uh, about a week in here, about f- uh, five days in. So it, it'll run uh, another ten days or so. Okay. And when I was seeing an announcement for this Dreamtime, one of the things that definitely caught my attention was this new ski called the Whaler 110. So I thought, okay, I need to ask Stefan about this, what's going on here. So talk to me about what is this new Whaler 110? Yeah, so it's a ski that I'm personally really excited about. And it, uh, you know, we're, uh, we have this program called Powderworks too, which I should probably explain. That's, um, you know, most of our ski business is, is in the kind of conventional retail sales cycle. But uh, Powderworks is where we do kind of limited edition skunkworks pressings or, or kind of glimpses into our R&D lab. So, so this 110 is a shape that we've, uh, we, we're developing this spring and got it to a point that, yeah, we feel like it's, it's a really nice ski. And, and so we're doing a limited uh, pressing of it. And the whole idea here is that in that sort of 110 waist width, which for many people, you know, in kind of deeper snow, uh, big mountain climates can qualify as sort of a, a quiver of one, like, you know, pushing the, the waist width, um, uh, yeah, pushing waist widths that can be a quiver of one for some, a powder ski for others. Um, but it kind of, you know, in that waste with zone, as you know, you're sort of like bridging the gap between kind of a big mountain ski and, and a pow ski. And uh, in our current lineup, you know, we've had the the, the perennial 112 sitting there, but that's a, a kind of a unique ski and, and uh, you know, has its own its own distinct feel and, and design. And being a 15 meter radius ski um, and very easy to ski for some it's you know it's ex- exactly that and has a lot of versatility but for folks that want uh, more contact length and want to you know bend m- into more of the flex pattern uh, with a longer radius that's exactly where this 110 sits so it's it's more chargy than the whaler 112 for sure it's um, it's more comfortable um, at speed and in the fall line, um, but yet it's it's really balanced and it's still very easy to ski. It's a 23 meter radius ski, um, so it, yeah. So I, I think it's it's kind of that quiver of one for sort of a, a charging 
pow slash uh, big mountain skier, but still quite accessible. And I think in a lot of our designs, that's sort of the the gap we're you know we're always aspiring to is finding that kind of three quarter throttle level in terms of the flex of the ski and the side cut design rocker design so that it's um, really accessible uh, and fun to most assuming you know a decent skill level but also really rewarding to to folks who know what they're doing and can extract the performance out of the ski one of the questions i had was how how similar this is to the whaler 112 rpc is this i mean would it be correct to think of this as like a slightly tweaked whaler 112 rpc or not correct to think about it that way yeah it's 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 uh let's see how do we without getting too esoteric i mean the design started from this c2 style chassis that that we've been building in the cassiar skis so while um while visually they are uh, besides the tip shape somewhat similar it's it's definitely a different ski it's got a, a different taper angle so the way the side cutting gauges at the top of the turn is is quite different than the rpc it's a a little bit uh softer than the rpc was and it also has a um a greater side cut radius so so there there are some a few similarities and it's in the same vein except I think it's just more well-rounded and uh accessible and user-friendly easier to ski than the uh and and uh, smoother than the the RPC was. Okay. Okay. That's a good segue for me to ask you just about the various DPS constructions being used across, you know, the entire range of DPS skis right now. Can you define those for me? Yeah. And, you know, I think once people get into DPS world, it's, um, you know, we always started from, I think it's probably best to just kind of start from the beginning to explain it all. And it it isn't the most, um, it takes a little bit of understanding to, to get the whole picture here. And, and I think it goes back to how we got into building skis in the first place. We wanted to, say that construction matters and layup matters and so in that sense we you know we had our flagship carbon skis which used to be called pure and then they evolved into alchemist which is the current sort of flagship carbon construction Um, and then we have a more traditional uh, glass construction which is foundation and then we have our touring construction uh, which is currently tour one so so we delineate things by both shape and construction and um, and there's two different trees there. So, so construction first, um, uh, this particular, this 110 is built, this limited edition Powderworks run is built in the Alchemist construction and we can build any shape in various constructions. So it can be tour foundation or Alchemist. In this case, the 110 is, is an Alchemist ski. And then, uh, so, so that's simply the layup of the ski, how much the carbon that's used, the core that's used, the glass, the weight, et cetera. So that, that's, those constructions are, there's three of them and that's just construction. And then on the shaping side, um, what we're kind of evolving into is, is really two different main shaping classes. Uh, and that's right now it's the RP style um, shapes, which are defined by kind of 15-ish meter side cuts, a lot of rocker, short effective edge. So those are generally your more playful, very easy to ski, um, 
you know, kind of intuitive, uh, you know, fun shapes, whereas C2 represents a chassis that, that has, um, you know, that we've been developing over the last few years. And that's sort of, that's a blend of a side cut design with a flex pattern, a mounting point, et cetera, that, that is, um, generally characterized by having a longer effective edge than the RP skis. So within shaping, you can have a C2 style chassis or an RP style chassis. The C2 is going to be a little bit more chargy, 18, 19 meter up to 23 meter radii and then the rps are going to be these lower radius skis with generally more rocker and then within a c2 ski or an rp ski um you can get a you have a construction choice so hopefully Mm -hmm. that sort of makes sense um (laughs) but uh but but really yeah it's catered towards that uh towards a core skier that you know pays attention to to what the layup is and what the shaping philosophy is so we we split it along those two lines. Okay. Okay. Um, but just in sum, this, this Whaler 110, this is an Alchemist construction ski. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And uh, yeah, again, it's a limited edition pressing. So, you know, it may or may not enter the normal inline um, uh, ski lineup later on. And and it, if and when it does, it can come out in multiple constructions. So okay. it's defined by a C2 chassis, i.e. it's got slightly longer running length. Um, it still has a bunch of rocker, but not as much as an RP. This pressing is Alchemist, and in the future, it could be both Foundation, Alchemist, and Tour, for example. Yep, got it. Um, okay, I want to ask you about the Lotus 138. Um, th- this is a ski that we actually on, I think several different, uh, podcasts we ran, we kind of found ourselves being like, does this thing still exist or can you get it? Or, and, and I got a lot of emails about the ski, um, with people asking, you know, for us to clarify. So I'm very happy to have you, uh, here to, to clarify all of this for us. Um, talk about the Lotus 138. Sure. Uh, so the 138 is definitely like a personal baby and passion project. It's the the original shape has been with us since the beginning, and and both for me, it, it was the first ski ever made that combined uh, a real rocker with side cut. So it was pretty seminal shape in the, I think in the the history of ski building and ski shaping. Um, and that was uh, 2005 that those two elements came together. It was. Um, you know, uh, Peter Turner, DPS engineer, had worked with Shane McConkie on the spatula. I'd been working on this Lotus 120 before, which was the kind of first marketed uh, uh, rockered ski in uh, 2002. And, and basically those two worlds collided to create this 138, which, you know, if you think about the merging of those two elements is kind of you know, set a precedent for sort of all modern freeride skis, i.e. rocker side cut combo. So, so it's, it's, I think it's somewhat, yeah, it's special historically in a sense. Um, and then also just the way it skied and, and yeah, for me personally, I, you know, transformed, um, yeah, my approach to the whole sport and realized, you know, some of the mind skiing dreams that, uh, that I had in terms of planing, uh, with high speeds and, and powder and, and, uh, yeah, creating G forces and skiing outside of the fall line and, and being much more creative. And, 
And I think for a lot of people too, it, it's been a pretty transformative ski. And so it's gone through a couple design iterations um, over the last 10, uh, 13 years. And yeah, some of them have been rocker, some flex, a little bit of side cut, but it's not too far from its original original self. And, and the deal with it is that um, it, uh, you know, from a retailer's perspective, it's not like a popular ski for shops to carry. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's just kind of intimidating for, for most, but, uh, but it actually is a really accessible ski and makes soft snow, you know, six inches or more really fun for, for a lot of people. And it doesn't take like a tremendous amount of, um, skill to, to really ski it. It can be of course a little unwieldy and in mixed harder snow and, and whatnot, but, uh, but generally, you know, if it's soft snow skiing and POW in particular, it can be and has been, I think, for a lot of people, really a transformative thing that sort of opened up, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of doors in terms of what skiing is, powder skiing is, and and what's possible doing it. So yeah, always like to to press it, and and we do now, uh, we do limited pressings of it, um, generally one per year. So in this case, it coincides with Dreamtime and. And, and yeah, so it's become a, a little bit of a rare bird and, and kind of harder to get, but we're still, you know, that's, that's our lifeblood and, and kind of the, the soul of our, you know, our original existence was, was this sort of design. And yeah, I hope to keep pushing it forward. We have grand plans to, to keep evolving both it and the, and the spoon over the, uh, the coming seasons. So, um, hmm. so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's it's there and, and we're pressing it and selling it now. So, okay. And so then I guess that raises the question of the spoon. So what's the status of the spoon? Because I, I think I was unclear about that ski too. Is it currently available in kind of a limited edition way, or it's something you're thinking about bringing back in a limited edition yeah, exactly. It operates, it'll operate again under this Powderworks umbrella. So Powderworks is the program where anything that, you know, it's either a glimpse into the R&D lab or, or stuff that we're working on that's that's baked enough to, to sell. Um, and, and the spoon kind of fits under that umbrella as well. So it'll see limited pressings uh, under, uh, under the Powderworks label. So you know, we're, we're trying to get to the point where we do one each quarter. So, you know, at least one ski per quarter. And mm -hmm. so the spoon will pop up, um, here in the calendar again at some point. And, and then, yeah, I'm, I personally am really motivated to, to keep evolving that design and, um, kind of take it to the next level based on uh, a lot of the other things we've learned here over the last few years. So. Okay. That's uh, really good to know. Um, Two more questions about the Lotus 138. Um, first of all, I totally agree with you, and we've talked about this, like the versatility of that ski. I still remember the la my last day on a Lotus 138 was a straight-up mashed potatoes kind of spring day at Alta, and I had a blast. And so I, I do think, you know, we've tried to be clear about like, look, the spoon and the Lotus 138 are pretty different beasts. And like, I think I totally agree with you, like any kind of soft snow 
or mashed potatoes, kind of spring stuff, that Lotus 138 can be a ton of fun. I think, and I'll, I'd like to hear your take on this, that the spoon on the other hand, like let's keep it in deep snow. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. And yeah, it's, um, yeah, the spoon is, is much more narrow and it's in its application for sure. And yeah, it's truly a deep snow tool. And then once it kind of gets to mixed snow, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work and liability to, to control that thing for sure. Whereas yeah. the 138, um, yeah, it has, has more bandwidth, uh, more spectrum for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. Okay. So the, the, the two questions I've got on the Lotus 138 then, um, this latest iteration of it, the current iteration, which I have not been on, what are the differences between it and the say very first iteration of the Lotus 138 first or second iteration? So let's skip all the the different subtle tweaks through the middle. Um, so let's see. So the, the rocker line has just going from 2005 up to 2018, uh, the tip and tail heights have changed. Um, there's, so they're, they're both a little bit higher in, uh, in the current version than the originals. Uh, the flex pattern, especially in the kind of mid shovel where the contact point is, Mm-hmm. uh has has also softened a little bit so that um versus the f- the first version which was which was very very stiff mm-hmm. and then um and then there's a little bit more um a little bit more side cut to aid that mixed snow um experience you know when when stuff isn't perfect because the the first iteration if i remember right had some you know, we, we basically had like, uh, one millimeter of side cut. It was, you know, some dumb calculation, like 60 meters or something like that. So, um, so yeah, this one would sit in the kind of high thirties, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And, and you know, it's, it's really, you don't notice it in pow at all because it, it is, uh, blunt enough from the side cut perspective that it's, it's not hooking at all. And the effective edge is so short on that ski but, uh, but just, yeah, when you're in those mashed potatoes or have to hit some traverse or, you know, if, if there's a end of a groomer down to a lift or a cat track back to the snowcat or skin track or whatever, you're going to, you're just going to get that much more, a little bit more bite and control. Okay. And then we've talked about kind of the Lotus 138 versus the spoon I'd be curious to get your take on how you think of the performance bandwidths of like the Lotus 138 versus the Lotus 124. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the 124 is just another level up in terms of bandwidth. You know, that's a ski that on a, you know, I'm just thinking, I'm just in my memory, it's jogging some spring days where I'm you know, hitting a, a groomer down the lift, I'm actually arcing and carving that ski and, and laying um, clean lines in, in corn snow, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with a, a, with the feel of a more traditional ski where, um, you know, you're bending the flex pattern and engaging the whole side cut length, whereas the one, which is really fun, and, it, you know, it feels like a wider, uh, like this 110 that we previously discussed, just a wider version of it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite a bit more versatile than the 138. It's something you could, 
really take on the resort, uh, as you know, and, and kind of ski all day on a, on a deeper day. Whereas I, you know, of course you can do that with a 138. And I know, I mean, there's even, I've known guys that that's almost their daily in places like Jackson, which I personally wouldn't want to do, you know, it's just not as comfortable, but you will kind of get through the day on, on that mixed snow. So, so yeah, it's, it's more like hard snow and mixed snow. The 138 is, it's engaging and you're grabbing an edge, but you're, it's not like you're, you're really working the ski in, in harder snow and, and getting those kind of good sensations from, from the side cut and flex pattern. It's, it really comes alive in power. The 124 is, is going to give you, uh, just a little bit on both sides of the, of the coin. Okay. Okay. Um, bonus question just because i feel bad because we're we're not talking so much about the the narrower skis you guys are making if you had to pick one of the narrower skis like say the cassiar 79 or cassiar 87 or cassiar 94 what one ski would you want to I don't know, highlight either, either just cause you happen to personally like it, or I don't know, you guys are just particularly excited about. Um, yeah, you know, I think the, well, there's maybe two that come to mind, like the, the 94 for where I live in, in Utah, like as an Alta snowbird type resort ski on the average, uh, non pow day, I think is, um, yeah, it's just a really nice, uh, all arounder. Um, it's mm-hmm. going to take you everywhere. Uh, so I, I think that's a great ski. And then the 79 to me is also personally exciting and like kind of, I think within the company, it's, it's a different animal. It's not what we're known for, but, uh, 79 underfoot, uh, you know, uh, 12, 12 and a half meter radius, I believe. So it's, it's ultra, it's a carving ski basically, but it has like a little bit of uh, rocker in it and the way the mounting point is set a bit more forward than a traditional ski it's actually kind of it can be fun uh just you know getting off the piste uh too so like you can ski some Mm -hmm. moguls and trees on it which so it's it's got some versatility that i think other skis in its class don't always have but yet it's you know it's just really fun to um to get those g-forces uh on on groom snow and, and you know have that speed be across the fall line rather than down it it's it's just a really fun sensation to have a super clean edge um carving a ski like that so so yeah i think there's yeah there's fun stuff across that spectrum but those are the two that that pop for me our managing editor luke Kappa, actually spent the most time of those of us at blister on the cassiar 79 and he actually kept talking about the verse, like how versatile it was, like surprisingly versatile. Oh, that's cool. And then we we just started joking about like when we do our quiver awards, we just started calling it Luke's one ski quiver. Huh. And um, yeah, so uh, we'll see. Pressure pressure is now on Luke officially to uh, make that his his final pick for his one ski all conditions all the time. <laughs> and we're, we're going to be now disappointed if he doesn't, but, uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't um, blame him. I mean, it truly is on that, <laughs> on that hard snow, you know, side, but I, yeah, my only point was that it does have, I think a more, a little bit more versatility than most skis kind of in its, in its class. Yep. So, so that's, yeah, that's no, cool to hear yeah. that he also found that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he definitely did. And, and we'll be, we'll be talking about that ski soon, um, on the site, but, uh, 
Well, hey, last question then. Um, I wanted to just see where things were with this DPS Phantom. Um, man, I guess I guess you and I actually talked when that was like very brand new and maybe had sort of just been announced or something. So where are we with that product? Had things evolved, been tweaked? What's going on with DPS Phantom? Yeah, yeah. For it's for us, it's a really exciting story. So I think just to to rewind, yeah, like you know, obviously we we really appreciated that the podcast you did before because I, I think it was really educational for a lot of people in terms of what it was because the concept was was so incredulous in a way to to many people and and yeah, kudos to you for asking like good questions and giving us the forum to to explain it. So um, so yeah, that was that was when we just launched it and and yeah, this this journey has been has been really interesting in a lot of ways um just because well one from a product perspective it is it's such a fascinating uh kind of yeah disruptor in a way it's a it's a new technology and and uh and i think the way you know commercially the way we launched it it's been done in a in a really modern style you know we came out with it um had a pretty successful uh kickstarter campaign a lot of people got on it uh there was a, a, a lot of great feedback a lot of people loved it and at the same time, there there were others that, uh, you know, just kind of got back to us and were like, "Hey, this stuff doesn't work." And there was, uh, you know, we we dug into all those issues, and and in uh, pretty much all cases, it it had to do with the application of the product, um, and and it was admittedly more complicated than than we would like when we first launched it. So we very quickly uh, started started uh, adapting and, and kind of. Um, evolving it really fast to, um, you know, starting in January of last year or of this year. And, um, and have worked really hard for the last six, seven months to just keep pushing the, the technology forward. So, uh, so yeah, we've solved, I think, um, yeah, all the, the kind of user and application errors, uh, or not errors, but, uh, complications that we originally had. So over this, the course of the winter, we've, We've evolved the formula to be much easier to apply. Uh, it's now, um, yeah, quite easy. The overall curing time before was was like six hours, and and you know there's we thought we'd thought of everything when we launched it, and there were, you know, we were curing this thing, and, and we developed the procedure based on the sun we have at Salt Lake and in our latitude. And then, you know, all of a sudden we're shipping this thing out to, you know, to Anchorage and Norway and, and Seattle. And it's like, oh my God, you know, the sun's sitting at a different height in the sky. It's the sun's not coming out for three months. So it, so that all these things that, um, yeah, that you, you think we would have thought of that weren't fully flushed. So we, we quickly evolved and and now have the uh, the we're uh, we're going to be pushing really hard here on a 2.0 application which skis incredibly. It's 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 amazing across all snow conditions. It's actually faster than the first one, and uh, the application is uh, is a lot easier now for the do-it-yourselfers. It's um, it should uh, the cure should be done in about. Um, where it used to be three hours per part, it's down to around 45 minutes, depending on where you are in the world and, and what the season is. 
So uh, significantly reduce the, uh, the cure time and, and the variability in, in the application. And then the big other project we've been working on, and ultimately I think where Phantom will, will have the biggest legs is, is in the ski shop environment. So we've created a, a cure station, which is kind of like a tanning bed for skis, if you will, um, <laughs> with, with UV lights and have designed that whole process so that so that it's super easy and repeatable um, to have Phantom applied to skis or snowboards and shops. So, um, so yeah, that's the super quick update. But we're going to be pushing it really hard here. Um, uh, 2.0. We have a lot of retailers that are getting behind it um, in a in a big way for this fall. So excited to see how how that all rolls out. And then in August we'll be like turning up the volume on the on the phantom 2.0 marketing. So, Hmm. so was that when you were just skiing these past several days was, was testing of this phantom 2.0, like a, a big part of what you were up to, or was that just making sure you're confident in designs that are, you know, about to get released here, or is this just future, future stuff? Yeah. So uh, it's kind of all of the above. I'm here at Mount Hood with, uh, it's myself and two of the material engineers, uh, the chemists that are working on Phantom. So they're working on Phantom projects, um, you know, dialing in uh, cure station, that's the box uh, procedures and also working on potential 3.0 stuff down the line. Um, so, so a lot's going on there, which is, which is really cool. And then side by side, I'm testing skis and Basically, I'm working on Fall 19 products, so the mm-hmm. um, uh, you know stuff that'll that'll launch uh, next year in the fall, and then as well as a whole bunch of different R&D construction layup uh, materials type tests. So that, that's kind of the the team and and what we're doing right now. Wow, wow, you sound busy. Oh man, yeah, it's quite. Uh, it's quite insane. There, there's a lot going on as, uh, as we, that's our, we like to say a lot of people say that inside the office, there's a lot going on. So there's yeah. a lot going on. Yeah. Well, on that note, man, I'm going to let you go and, and get back to dealing with some of the, uh, some of the lots that's going on. And, um, uh, but I, yeah, good, good opportunity to kind of catch up and for me to get clear on some of this stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure some other people out there are going to feel the same way. So um, glad we could connect. Jonathan, uh, like deeply appreciative as always. I thanks for the opportunity and yeah, good to talk to you again. So cheers. Yeah, man. Cool. We'll safe travels back home and we'll talk to you later. All right. Cheers, man. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to Stefan Drake for the conversation and be sure to head over to outerbike.com slash Crested Butte to learn more about riding and demoing bikes in Crested Butte on August 17th. Finally, thanks to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob, who I actually got to hang out with the other day and not just do podcast stuff with. So that was pretty great. Uh, And we will then talk to you guys again next week. Take care, everybody.